All right, here we are, Haley and Karen, launching our, <laughs> our podcast conversations. Um, yeah, so I'm Karen, and I'm uh, with Haley today, and we are two um, friends, friends, women who live in South Africa, and particularly in the city of Cape Town, and we are here to. Um, tell our stories and invite other people on the journey of telling their story of um, the city that we live in, given the history um, of our country, apartheid. Um, the story of being South African, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So today I have the joy of asking Haley and inviting her to come and tell us about herself. So um, if we just start, Haley. Yeah. Yes. Um, who are you? What what does it mean to be Haley? Um, I think I'm, I I have a f- well, I'm made up of contradictions, I suppose. Being a person of color, um, living in South Africa, where you um, navigate and straddle numerous spaces, um, you it's quite difficult to kind of find where you fit in. So. An example I used years ago when we did a talk to um, a few young women is that I love sushi, but I really do love curry. And I love opera, but I love, you know, Guma or District 6 music, which is sort of very um, coloured um, mm. tradi- tradi- traditional music. And so I think you made up of all these um, contradictions. Um, yeah, and, and so who's Haley? I, I am a woman who, I suppose when there's, there's an issue that either makes me very angry or very sad, I am motivated to try and do something about it. Um, I hate sitting in a space and moaning, which I do often enough, but I, I love having it, doing something mm. to, to try and, and change the conversation. Um, change what I see is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm interested, Haley. You you called yourself a coloured woman. So can you unpack that a little bit for us? Because <clears throat> in the South African context, there'd be some people would reject mm. that label, wouldn't they? So can you can you speak a little bit about? Um, well, perhaps tell us a little bit about when you grew up. Uh, when were you born in the history of our country? Um, so this year is 2021. And perhaps tell us a little bit about where you grew up and, and when you grew up. And and then you could unpack what what labels we've found ourselves having in the South African context and mm. kind of speak a bit to the history around that and your own personal feeling yeah. of being a labeled a colored person I, I mean so I was born in 1973 and sort of three years before 1976 and so probably in the in the heart of um, protests against apartheid um, and um, my family was Christian didn't um, never really got involved in politics and so the word colored for me was seen as derogatory because it was a label given by an oppressive government but if you had to ask me now I don't think because I think as colored people now we're taking ownership and we're redefining the label 
Um, so I suppose in America we would call it mixed race. Mm. Um, and, you know, we still fall under people of color. Mm. Mm. I'm not totally... Um, offended by the word colored mm. I, I think the, the problem well we have been categorized in South Africa and so we do categorize and whether that is right or wrong I think is a journey but I think I take that I think colored people are trying to take that name back and what does it look like mm. in a positive spin mm. like who are we which in itself is a conversation because being not um, African black and not being white you 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 mm. you you're in the middle mm. and so um, you know really trying to find your identity mm. in that um, mm. so I think for me it's a journey mm. uh, I generally use person of color but I think in the South African context when we're dealing with people can't see us um, I would mention um, that I am a colored person because that would yeah makes sense I suppose and, and people would understand what I'm talking about yeah and like um, if we think of the history of our country and how apartheid you mentioned categorized us mm-hmm. so um, how did that work what did that kind of work out for your family or you know your family um, they were they were classified as a colored mm-hmm. colored people in a country where white supremacy um, you know was the law and so how did like if someone was listening to this podcast and they didn't know what it meant Mm. to live in apartheid South Africa as a colored family can you explain that a bit to us so I I think I probably can't speak for and I wouldn't attempt to speak for um, most colored families who grew up and lived mainly on the Cape Flats I would classify, we, uh, I grew up middle class coloured, um, which means we were in a very affluent coloured area, but it was still a coloured area. I went to a coloured school, or schools where there were only um, coloured kids, um, and so university was the first time mm. I was exposed to diverse um, peers. Mm. Uh, and um, I think my experience as a coloured person is that because we have white grandparents or you know, which is the story of many coloured people. Um, the, the saddest story, I suppose, is that it was even divisive. Right? It was even divisive in coloured families. Yeah. And I, so where my dad and I were asked to leave the beach and my mom and my sister could stay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was asked to, to get out of the pool and my sister was asked to stay. So this, this happened in yeah. my, um, you know, when I was 10, 11. And, then, and yet it's still, it's a memory that's very mm. clear because it gave... Or it showed me what what values attached to being mm. a coloured person mm. that you are devalued, mm. um, and so I think that was very hard because, especially in the middle class coloured, because mm. you you really are you struggling to find your identity. You, there's maybe some white spaces you're in, but it's really constantly trying to you know where where's your place in South Africa, mm. and I think we're, and. I mean, apartheid is just that. It's where was our place? We mm. were placed, but that mm. wasn't necessarily where our place was. So mm. I would imagine for the ones sure. who were displaced, um, their place was mm. was District Six, and now they were placed sure, somewhere sure, else. Sure. But it wasn't their home. Yeah. And so I am. I think sure. it's it's you, and you only realize 
you don't belong in that space when something like that mm. you know where you removed or mm. asked to leave um so yeah i had i had some of those experiences mm. am i answering your question um, yeah, yeah yeah so that's um, I, very powerful. and i think depending on where you grew up um you'd have a, you'd have different experiences mm. but still mm. the sense of of where do i belong mm. where do i fit in mm. this or mm. in all of this because you know i was told where i belong and i was told where i could go um but that's not necessary mm. it wasn't my decision so i think for for black and colored people i would imagine um because we weren't we didn't have the freedom to go wherever mm. um you, the the sense of of um agency in your life mm. that i i have control it mm. was was scuppered a bit mm. you know and um I mean it speaks to the trauma that mm. apartheid mm. racial trauma yeah. that apartheid um sort of yeah gave rise to mm. um and and continues to well I think these scars mm. and so obviously um for folks that are older than than me mm. um it would have a very different but it's still scars mm. I think we all been scarred by mm. in that we don't see the other because now we're just a category mm. you know mm. so I'm not am I seeing you as a um and only because i know you mm. i see you as kara mm. but for if we if we in a room and we meeting either um you know a white person or black person or colored person that i don't know immediately we go to this category yeah. that um that that you know we start slotting people into yeah. so i think gosh, the, the the biggest the saddest thing about apartheid is that um we don't see the other yeah. like really see the other yeah. that Um yes you are different but there's there's commonality yeah. and so we just categorize yeah. and label people. I think that was the other thing yeah. is that South Africans we are very good at labeling and so I can understand what's why some colored people because not all colored people mm. uh, like the term colored no. um because it's 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 a label that was imposed upon yeah. you. You didn't get to decide. Yeah. And um Yeah, I think yeah. I I think that it's like this deep wound. Um you know, apartheid was divisive. Yeah. yeah. And it succeeded and it was intentional. Yeah. And there was this plan and and that's why mm. we are so grappling with mm. where do I, you know, where do we fit in? And I think <clears throat> you and I um this journey that we've embarked on or been called to or landed in there are lots of words we could describe mm. it. um thrust upon us um i think we hope to interview many more people um who can unpack a little more what what it looked like to grow up in south africa um and what that means today because yeah. we're not just doing these conversations because we want to make things uncomfortable <clears throat> excuse me the reality is um that apartheid's long arms going forward into our futures yeah. and into into our present and into our future is still there and mm-hmm. the consequences of that as you said the plan the planning of apartheid um it's almost like we have to unplan it and purposefully yeah. unplan it so that we can unpick the yeah. awfulness of it um and the the legacy of it that continues into the present and that speaks to how we relate to one another yeah um is that we have to unlearn certain things yeah and um 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. This is my my experience, and you know, we'll yeah. interview many people of yeah. color and white people, and the experience will be totally different mm. depending on where you grew up, and and even that, you know, mm. that we don't take one person's experience as oh, that's the colored mm. experience or that's mm. the black experience. Um, I think there are commonalities, but I, we all we were all just working through the trauma. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, and and. I suppose when you believe that human beings have been created with value and worth, mm, and then mm. that is taken away by man, by mm, an mm, oppressive government, mm, mm. Um, you know, you can understand why they still we're still trying to figure out how we navigate together as all races yeah. in South Africa because it's really um, seeing the person yeah. as valuable. And so I think one of the sad legacies of apartheid is something that you were talking about earlier that. It categorized us mm. and labeled us and put us into those boxes. And sadly, we tend or seem to continue to live in those categories. Mm. Um, and there's very little relationship building um, across any kind of barrier that mm. was put there. Well, because we live with assumptions. Mm. So I see a person and then already I have these assumptions mm. that falls within their category, mm. which is... Which firstly doesn't give rise to actually true, authentic mm. relationship mm. between um, the individuals, but um, it also clouds it clouds our lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Clouds our lens. Mm. So, um, one of the things you didn't say about yourself, Haley. <laughs> interesting because I wrote this as the mm. next question um, was about your strong character so when I asked who is Haley, mm. you often talk about that you are a strong woman and um, I was thinking back to when I first met you many moons ago in a mutual friend's home around food and parties and celebrations and lots of little children um, and I was drawn to you for one obvious reason for me you were a very outwardly arty person so I found you very interesting but obviously also around our conversations which actually I can't remember what we chatted mm. about that we landed up in this and knowing the mutual friend I'm sure they were always quite profound conversations mm. Mm. Um, and then and then but when I was thinking about it now that I know you more deeply I think I was drawn to your strength that you are a strong woman um yeah and that I wonder how that has helped you navigate life living in South Africa because it's not easy living in mm. South Africa well I think especially where you're a woman of color and um, depending on you know because the generation I grew up in was the children not seen and not heard so obviously I didn't adhere to that because I've always been opinionated and loud and and I mean I think even that is that you make yourself and I mentioned this in our workshop um, on Saturday you make yourself small to fit in spaces um, and that kind of whittles away who you are mm. um, because you think okay if I just can fit in if I'm, mm. if I'm quieter and less opinionated mm. Mm. and then then you know fine. I won't be I, noticed yes and, and how you navigate this area. And I think that's the thing about apartheid, if I'm really honest 
about my experience I just didn't want I don't want to be noticed in mm. in in diverse spaces um, and that may be only my experience mm. maybe other so you try you to, you know you make yourself small mm. you make yourself I suppose you know colored families are generally quite mm. gregarious they now to be community orientated mm. um, and so you get into a white space for mm. example where that's not necessarily the lay of the land you know where mm. things are orderly mm. and things are and so you do tend to backpedal or edit mm. yourself and I know we've spoken about this mm. um, and so you edit a bit of that mm. what would be what is actually strength but is seen possibly as a negative mm. in the white space mm. I'd like us um, at some point to talk a little bit more about um, whiteness and white spaces, but before, we might not get there on this podcast, but I'd, I'd really like us to unpack how we landed up um, doing this work, Hayley. So last year, um, for the whole world, which is a very weird thing mm. to say, but for the whole world, mm. uh, COVID literally turned us upside down, inside out, and um, you know, we didn't know which way was up. Um, and that can be said for countries around the world in different ways, and particularly in South Africa, we felt that in, in, in a very particular way, given our past, given our massive inequality. Um, but something else also um, happened at the same time, um, which was happened in the United States of America, and it was around the murder of George Floyd, or as some have called it, the lynching of George Floyd, that was so publicly displayed on social media. Um, And that had a weird influence and an impact on us in South Africa. So can you just talk a little bit to that and and kind of explain how we landed up doing this work? So funny enough, um, I learnt about George Floyd because sometimes watching everything that was happening at that time was just so much. I I actually had to not watch the news um, 24-7. But my son was very, I think, moved by it, Mm. that he had been following this. Mm. And in fact, one of his art pieces for portfolio Mm. was about um, linked to the protests and the Black Lives Matter that then, then came about um, from the George Floyd murder um, but something in me um, and maybe it's because of the age of my boy I realized he was a cute little toddler mm. at some point who was a co- happened to be colored but now he is a colored man mm. and something clicked to me that if I had lived in America mm. I would be giving my son like, don't wear a hoodie mm. all those things mm. when the police stops and I just thought that was, that's an awful way to live. And then we sil- use silence, we amplify. Um, obviously, uh, in South Africa, came about mm. after the George Floyd. And I suddenly realised we may not be lynching or, or, or killing, um, you know, black people. It may not be that violence, mm. but there was these conversations were not happening. We were mm. still divided. Mm. We were, we still had assumptions. There was still a narrative about mm. certain races, um, and there was our voice as people of color mm. were mm. silenced. And mm. um, the fact that the, the that Instagram um, you silence were amplified just had so many stories. Mm. And reading those stories, I think, like mm. set me off. I was just so mm. 
moved and something in me clicked and I, I tell you why it may sound strange that now I'm doing this work is because I feel like I've assimilated. Mm. So for all these years, you are you in middle class, you're a middle class um, colored person, and you assimilated because mm. you you occupy white spaces mm. in the middle class in Cape Town anyway. It's a white space, mm. and so you assimilate mm. into that. That um, often you don't. I don't think I was reflecting on 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 what it means to be mm. a person of color in a white space mm. how am i you know is my voice being heard and um something something mm. clicked for me and i just thought mm. this is true we have been silenced mm. and then i think you and i started talking and um, we thought it would be great to have a few women of color share these stories mm. because for the first time people were listening mm. because of George Floyd mm. and we had um, a Zoom mm. um, a meet, well, meeting, little workshop because um, we were in the middle of COVID and I think there were 40 people mm. on it and then there were women from that group who actually wanted to continue this work mm. and we then formed this group, the meeting room, mm. where, which is a safe space mm. for us all to learn mm. and I suppose really for us to see the other. Mm. Um, mm. And also a space, um, I just, in South African context, I feel the, often, especially on social media, the, the white voice mm. is heard. Mm. And um, that often in the past, when I think of my own thing, when people say, yeah, but that's not really being racist and mm. it's coming from a white mm. person. And I suddenly got that feeling, but actually you wouldn't know what it mm. feels like to be on the other side of that. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's we having difficult conversations. Mm. Um, mm. And for the, you know, having a space where women of color mm. um, can share and mm. white women are listening mm. and having white women share mm. and, and women of color are listening. And so really trying to build authentic relations because, and I don't think it's, it's just authentic relations, it's authentic relations across race, racial, mm. race lines, mm. race boundaries. Um, and I think um, because that often doesn't happen and it mm. made me question how authentic are my relations that I have with mm. my white friends, you know. Mm. Um, and so what we're trying to do, I suppose, mm. is a social experiment, you know, <laughs> where you're having, um, you know, a diverse group building authentic relations where, yeah. where you're making yourself vulnerable um, but you're being heard and yeah. you're being seen yeah. um, and so I suppose in many spaces in South Africa that's not necessarily happening yeah. um, I can't speak about the younger generation because yeah. I think they they operate in a different way but I'm talking in terms of our group, yeah. our age yeah. group I don't know if that's always happening um, yeah, and it was inter it's interesting that you, you said the younger generation because for those who are listening and, and who don't, don't perhaps know what You Silence Me Amplify was or is, um, it was basically southern suburb schools in Cape Town on Instagram calling out the racism in their different, um, in the different former Model C schools or private schools and literally there was not one school that was left unscathed. They were all called out. Um, and I think it's a weird thing that if you if you mess with our kids, it suddenly causes people to wake up. And so I think a lot of parents um, sh were shocked and suddenly thought, hang on, well, I'm both, you know, across the board. So 
people of color were saying, oh my goodness, has nothing changed? Why are my children still experiencing this stuff? Um, although for many of them, they did know that they were, they just suffered in silence. And, um, and then for white people, they were like, oh my goodness, is this what's going on in our school? For some people, for the first time, they're actually being confronted with the fact that South Africa is actually a racist country. And, um, and so many schools have been uh, forced or have decided or spurred on to be doing, doing some work. And so I think that is a good thing. But it kind of sadly highlights the fact that South Africa is a racist country. And, um, and I think what you were saying, Haley, about I think often in our white um, spaces that you and I hang out in, is it's not overt racism. It's not the blatant sort of obvious kind, but it's the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of microaggressions. And that brings us back to this this group that we are involved in, which is, I often think of them as brave ladies, brave people. Stepping, pioneers. Yeah, pioneers, stepping into a space that, as you said, is uncomfortable and we are really um, taking off the band-aid and crapping where it's mm. sore and painful and there are many tears and revelations and revealings and yeah you know I mean I think that sure. gives me hope I mean there, yeah. I, I realize there are many um, so one of the other reason why I think suddenly it gave rise to me wanting to be a part and mm. do it to be doing this is that I really don't want my grandchildren mm. to be having these conversations mm. in you know 15 years time mm. because at some point we have to move past um, the, the same conversations the same revelations mm. and and mm. we we have to do better for mm. the next generation mm. Mm. and so I think it's in the do trying to do better mm. that I mean this is why I'm doing it and I am inspired I mean it gives me hope mm. that um, these women in our group are just willing to have the hard conversations because mm. I know well, I can't imagine but for a white woman hearing you know something that that's hurtful or has been caused a person a woman of color pain can't be easy mm. but that they're willing to stick through it and listen mm. and reflect mm. and show mm. up mm. Um, and I think for a, a person of color just showing mm. up mm. knowing that it's not going to be easy Knowing that you know, um, it's it's not just um, you're not going to find a solution immediately. Um, that they are willing to show up all the time. Yeah, that's encouraging. It also gives me hope. Um, and and so that was actually my drawing this this little chat to an, to an end. That was my one question, mm-hmm. which you said that gives you hope. And what what's discouraging? I think. And I really try to, I mean, social media is a wonderful thing, but, and I tend to look at comments. So whenever there's a controversial um, post put up, I always look at the comments. And so when I hear, when I read the, the comments that's made, like, mm. oh no, that can't be racist, or um, yeah, the protest should happen like this. And I think if you've never had to protest mm. about anything, how would you know? How would you know what a protest is? If you've never felt oppressed, um, or that things have been taken away from you. How would you know? And so I think my biggest discouragement is, is white people and, you know, boldly posting things mm. in a social media space that are not necessarily true mm. or 
you know, have they asked people of mm. color? Like, mm. okay, tell me about mm. this. It's just the the constant, I've put my opinion, it's not racist, this protest is wrong, or this is, and then assuming that it is the way mm. they say it is. Mm. So I think it's been very discouraging seeing white people still using the same narratives. Mm. And as you say, the thing with South Africa, and that's why people say, oh, don't use the race argument, which comes up, is that it's not COVID anymore mm. because we, we, we're in a democracy. But it's this, um, sorry, it's not overt. It's these COVID mm. subtle mm. narratives that are still pervading, mm. you know, all these years on, um, mm. that you haven't even taken the time to understand. Mm. And, you know, you don't have to agree with everything everyone's doing, but take the time to understand. Mm. So when you post a comment in a social media space, you've given thought, you've done some research, you've actually asked Mm. people um, about it. Mm. Because as a person of colour, I like giving white people the benefit of the doubt and not necessarily going, oh, it's because of this. Because I'm also trying to change my narrative. I'm trying to see... Um, a white person as someone with as a human being with value and to really see the person and so I think that's the most discouraging is just seeing these narratives continue and not once not once interrogating it yeah that I could be wrong or maybe I'm not understanding yeah. it um, or not understanding the history that we come you know our well that's it. many white people yeah. don't understand well I think it's not that they don't understand I think it's what you said, they haven't taken the time to look at what apartheid really did to people, what it really meant for people to be um, forcibly removed from their homes um, and not having that happen to you. What does that, what did that mean for people? So we, we kind of long to put everything at the back of, behind us and just press on. But how can we do that? This is, this is my my big thing how can we do that um well, I think, successfully we can't if well, you don't understand i think apartheid dehumanized mm. people and and just changing the legislation mm. and having democracy didn't humanize people it's in our daily reactions mm. it's in the lens we see people who are different to us through mm. um that changes the narrative and that humanizes them mm. but we've been so we've dehumanized each other um, that we can't actually see that this happened to human mm, beings. Mm, mm. This happened to someone who's like me, no, maybe not in color, but you know, the same color blood running through um, human being. Mm. They were forcibly removed. Mm. They were killed. Mm. What does what impact has it had on their families? And I feel in, in South Africa, often white people haven't even thought of that mm. because we've categorized people, mm. we've labeled them, we've put them in a box. And so not really seeing that part of this journey, part of this work that you and I are doing is restoring dignity Mm. to people. Mm. Um, And how do we do that? Mm. How do we restore dignity? Um, You know, not everyone can start a nonprofit. Not everyone can. But how do I do it in the space I'm in? Mm. Mm. Just with the people who are in my space. And for us to be thoughtful, because you and I go from this friendship into our, our different worlds and spaces and that's the same for everyone there you're at work or you're at um, schools or you're in church spaces or shopping spaces where you're interacting with people and to have be mindful of that mm. all the time how am I showing up how am I interacting with my fellow South Africans um, given our past and being mindful of that and yeah so so Haley. 
We've been chatting now for a good old half an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing your um, part of your story. That's not at all all of your story and all of your thoughts, um, which are challenging and wonderful. Um, and um, I am excited that we've been given this opportunity with this little group and look forward to, to the journey um, ahead. Mm. Yeah, so I just want to say thank you for doing it with sharing you. and yeah. doing it with me friend. I, think, I think it's hard and it's I think you can't easy. do this no. and that's the other thing sorry just as we ending off yeah. uh, this work of making South Africa an anti-racist space means all races have to be involved yeah yeah, yeah. we need yeah, we, yeah. you know we need all races to be involved in this work it's yeah. not a white person's work mm. necessarily or person, colored person mm. or black but we need all races mm. you know just to to be intentional mm. about this and that's messy when we yeah. get together yeah. it's not always comfortable like if we've given that um picture that it's you know you and i've walked a journey for many years yeah. and we've we've had these conversations hard conversations mm. long before this mm. over many years and so in a sense we're fortunate because we, we're not a we're not affronting one another. I'm not offended by things mm. that you say and you are not offended by things that I say. But I think for people who've never had those conversations before and you come together, it is messy and mm. it can be very painful um, from all perspectives. And so you need to have grace for one another and you need to have this space. I love that we call it a safe, but it's also brave, but it's a safe space mm. where we can... And in the beginning when we started this journey, it was, it was not easy mm. because... Oh my hat, it got like wild. <laughs> but you know what? People were brave, and that's why I say brave, because they persevered mm. through that messiness mm. where you almost thought, oh my goodness, this could go, this could get really, really ugly. Mm. And somehow we managed to stay on the horse and keep on going. Yeah. And now we're at a better place mm. where we can. I don't know, it's just better. Well, I think it's not about getting it right. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. not about being politically correct, yeah. which yeah. doesn't yeah. create an authentic space. No. It's actually about doing it be- doing better. Like yeah. how do I do better yeah. in this space? Um and I think that that um uh, expectation of it to be perfect or for me to say the right things. Yes. I mean, even you and I, we say the wrong things all the time. Um, you know, we don't, we don't get it right. Oh, we still on this journey. Yeah. And so and we correct one another. Yeah. No, no, you can't say that. Yeah. Come on. And, and, you know, and we learning. Yeah. And so I think, I but think. Isn't that interesting, Hayley, what you said? Oh, now we're going longer. Yeah. Isn't it interesting what you said? It's about relationships. So I think often people are doing this work. If I think of like in the workspace, mm where obviously people are mindful of the fact that they have to shift a whole host of the stuff which we can talk about in other chats. But it's interesting because if you're doing it devoid of relationship, then what what comes of it, you know? It's a tick box, whereas the messiness is in relationship. The question I would like to end with is, what if we get this right? Yeah. How different could our society look? Yeah. Oh. Thank you, my darling friend. All right, we'll clock in next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.